Welcome to the Mastering College to Career Podcast. I am your host, Daniel Botero, and in this podcast, we help college students just like you get internships and job offers from top companies. In this podcast, we explore topics such as networking, interviewing, resume writing, and many other topics that will get you those jobs. Not only do I speak on these topics myself, but I also interview other subject matter experts, including CEOs, university presidents, and Fortune 500 executives. We also interview college students just like you in the hopes that you can relate to their stories and learn from their journey. So if you're a college student looking to get ahead, look no further and welcome to the Mastering College to Career podcast. All right, so before we get started, I want to take a couple of seconds to tell you about the Mastering College to Career Academy. The Academy is a mentoring program that helps college students land the jobs of their dreams before they graduate. In this academy, I will teach you application hacks that will automatically help you beat over 90% of all other job applicants, networking tactics that will give you access to the hidden job market where over 80% of jobs are filled, interview techniques that will practically guarantee you make it through every round of the interviews and win the offer. And I will also connect you with my network of thousands of HR professionals and hiring managers that love hiring my students. So if you're interested in learning more about this program, just send me a message and let's see if the Academy is a good fit for you. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this episode of the Mastering College to Career Podcast. And today I have brought back the guest with the most downloaded episode to date. And we are close to 150 episodes. I have Emily Milius. Did I say it right, Emily? You got it. Ah, yes. And Emily is the CEO of Launch Consulting. And I love talking to Emily. So I'm so happy she's back on the podcast. And we're just going to talk about what she is just so good at. And it's helping people understand what they're good at. Like, what do they enjoy doing and finding that they're in the right spot. And like the best way I can describe to you is one of my favorite quotes of all times by Albert Einstein is you shouldn't measure a fish ability to climb a tree, right? And so the goal and why I like talking to Emily is because she's helped me figure out like where am I naturally good at? And so I can continue to play in that field, right? If I am a fish, I should be playing in water, not in the jungle. And so we're bringing Emily back to the podcast. Emily, welcome back. How are you doing today? I am doing great, and I am so glad to be a two-timer on the Mastering College to Career podcast. I love your audience. I've had a pleasure of connecting with some of them after our first episode, and I just I get so energized by what your community is talking about, and it's a pleasure to be a part of the conversation. I love it. Well, I'm, we're back, and we're back for a specific, particular reason, because right now, a lot has changed in our world in the last couple of months. And that has caused, at least even for me, some like anxiety, some extra stress. And so that's probably, so that's not the only, I, I'm not the only one that feels that way. I know a lot of my students feel that way too. So I did want to, you know, come here and talk about that. But before we dive into all that, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I founded my company, Launch Consulting, 13 years ago. And we are experts at empowering people to thrive, whether it's in school, in work, or just in life in general. And what's unique about us is that we know people's MO for success. You know, there's a lot of advice out there 
about, you know, do what you're passionate about, do what you're competent in. And though those aren't all wrong, really first and foremost, you have to understand how you're built to succeed. And that's what we do for people. So they can really advocate for themselves and find their fit and be fulfilled in whatever their adventure in life uh, entails. I, I love it. I love it. And Emily, let's talk a little bit about what we discussed last time in the episode. Do you remember what was the topic and how did yeah. it get to become number one? Yeah. Well, we talked about, you know, how are you supposed to choose your career? Cause that is a big question. And as I just alluded to, there's a lot of advice out there, but not all of it really works. It's interesting because in the last couple of weeks, um, so all my speaking engagements, all my travel has been canceled or, you know, either postponed. Most of it has just been canceled. So I had all this extra time, Emily, and I opened up my calendar to talk to students that needed help. And I've spoken to now close to 200 students in the past month and a half, um, 30 minute sessions. And I really, you know, it's crazy because I should have known all this before. And, and I, like inside of me kind of knew this, but there's three things the students were really stuck in. And the first one is clarity. Like there's a large number of students that lack clarity. And I don't know this, like out of the 200 like, around the students that I spoke to, I would say close to 40% of them, if not half of them just lack clarity. Like the reason why they're not getting jobs is because they have no clarity about what they want to do. And so when they do even like, it's very really hard for them to even get to the interview. When they do get to the interview, companies don't give them a, sh a chance because they're like, why would I hire you? You don't even know what you want to do. Why would I take that risk? Absolutely. Well, you know, and you sort of get in return what you send out, right? Kind of that boomerang effect. Mm -hmm. So if you have, um, no clarity on what you do well, how you best contribute, and then you don't have a good answer to the dreaded, you know, tell me about yourself question, then how in the world is someone else going to figure that out about you? And, you know, whereas in contrast, if you have confidence and clarity of this is who I am, this is how I thrive, this is how I contribute to my work, to teams, to, um, you know, others, that creates this, um, kind of messaging that other people really respond to and are attracted to. So you're absolutely right. To succeed, it has to start with knowing, you know, Socrates, know thyself, right? That's very powerful advice that has to be step number one in the building blocks of getting that clarity and confidence about your future. And so if, if that's step number one, how should they start? Where do they start, right? Yeah. Well, like we talked about on that first episode, Success is a three-part formula. And I'll tell you right now why most people are not fulfilled or successful in their jobs or even in school is because they've only been taught a two-part formula. And I'm working to change that. And I'm so excited I get to share that today with your listeners because unless or until you get the full three parts of this formula, you're going to be searching for success and hopefully you'll be, you would have been lucky enough to stumble upon it, but that's all it would have been. So listen closely because these three parts are a three out of three kind of thing. You have to check all three boxes. Majority doesn't win, which is why the two part approach that we've all been taught is so lacking. So here's the three parts to be successful. Your career must play into what you know, why you do things and how you do them. 
So most career advice boils down to two things, right? The two factors. So, you know, we've kind of all heard that student that excels in math and science classes. And so they're counseled to go be a doctor, right? Go into medicine. You're excellent in math and science. But just passing all the tests doesn't mean you're going to be good in or, or find fulfillment in a career. So competency or even excellence in something, you know, having the skills does not translate into fulfillment in and of itself. But yet we counsel a lot of people along those lines, right? Oh, you love math. Go be a math major. Be careful. That's not necessarily how it works. So the second thing that people are told to do is go major in and go get a career in what you love doing, what you're passionate about, what makes you happy, right? And yes, we want that to be true. But I'll tell you what, I know a lot of people who followed that advice and they pursued something that they were passionate about, but because they got in the wrong job and that was such a painful, stressful experience and they got totally burned out, really early on, what was a passion for them actually started to become something they were bitter about. So, you know, what you like to do will get you in the right industry. It will not get you in the right job. And so that's why your how, and that's something that I specialize in. Of course, I help people see the full picture, right? I want, to, I want them to have the whole success formula. But you have to know your how. That is, how do you uniquely take action and get to results? And what's powerful about that part of ourselves is that unlike our passions and our skills, your how, your MO for success never changes. So it's not something that you're going to like train yourself into or out of with a four-year degree. It's not something where, oh, if I just stick with the job for three years, I'm suddenly going to like be something I'm not. So your MO for success is a non-negotiable. And like I said earlier, it's the first step in understanding who you are and in what kinds of environments and particular careers in which you'll thrive. I think that's so important because it's like the how, how you do things. Right. And I know we've talked about this before we even did this podcast, which is so amazing is that before for the last 12 years where we had this great economy, it's been growing uh, the longest like streak in a long time. Um, And, People were going to school, they were coming out, they were getting jobs, but now it's a little different, right? There's so much uncertainty. We don't know what's going to happen. And I know you were mentioning something that I thought was very, very interesting about how what our education system rewarded before or what was rewarded before might not be what's rewarded now, right? Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, this is fascinating. Um, And also, you know, my heart kind of breaks for some folks right now because the tables have truly turned. And I know there's a lot of people that woke up one day about four weeks ago and suddenly everything that worked for them up until that point didn't work at all. And that is extremely jarring, right? That is hard. It's hard not to lose yourself. Like even you expressed, I mean, you've got a really good sense of yourself, but so much has changed so fast. And there's so many unknowns amidst, you know, this economy and COVID-19 and quarantine that a lot of people are losing themselves, but specifically, so to your point, school rewards two strengths. And we know this to be the case. There's lots of research to show this. 
that if you are a person who is instinctually um, process driven, so you do things in a methodical way, a routine way, you finish what you start. And if you're instinctually very detail oriented, so you, you delve deep, you go to a mastery level um, when you're learning things, you know, kind of more of like a natural academic in that sense, you know, a researcher, those two strengths are rewarded by school. And we see that because those individuals tend to get better grades, they um, perform better on tests, but that isn't, you know, not to take away from their efforts in school, because obviously they're putting forth effort to get to those results. But um, I kind of like to think of it of, as the difference between headwinds and tailwinds, right? So those students have tailwinds throughout their educational experience because, you know, the, the current is, is going with them, if you will. And those students who are opposite that, or even, you know, by a little or a lot opposite, but you're a prime example, right? Those students who are innovative, experimental, they need change and variety and newness. And also those students who are, are hardwired to be very mechanical and physical and hands-on. They build, construct, model, they learn by doing. School does not reward their talents. They face headwinds. And despite, you know, how smart they are, it's just sort of the rules of the game don't work in their favor. But what's fascinating is when quarantine happened and school moved online and we're all in a you know totally untraditional experience, those students who were used to thriving in that traditional educational model are really struggling right now because there's tons of unknowns. There's lots of uncertainty. There's very little routine and structure and order. They're having to make tons of adjustments, deal with change rapidly. But those students who are, you know, kind of the misfits usually, right? The innovators, the entrepreneurs are um, kind of thriving right now because they're taking as it comes. They're rolling with the punches. They're really leading us through this time of uncertainty and um, I, I'm sure a lot of your audience can appreciate or resonate with that on some level. And I would say for those that are struggling or feeling stressed out, don't forget who you are because we don't want you to change for what's happening. We don't want you to change to fit the environment. And for those of you that find yourself, you know, suddenly really thriving right now, keep going, keep pushing, keep leading because the world needs you right now. Hey, Daniel here. Before we get to the second half of this episode, I wanted to share with you Ashley's story and how she got her dream internship at Disney. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. I'm Ashley, and I'm currently a guest experience management intern at Walt Disney World. And quite honestly, uh, I wouldn't be here if it weren't for joining the Mastering College to Career Academy. Before the Academy, I had a pretty good plan on where to go but i didn't know how to get there so thanks to joining the academy and going through all the content and just engaging with daniel and you know and himself on linkedin and everything i was able to build up the courage basically build up my resume and just apply for this amazing program that i'm a part of right now um, it, what's amazing is that i get to park every single day right next to um the tron construction so i get to see all of that in action um, being a management intern and it's so great 
but I absolutely love it. And I recommend that you join as well so you can be a part of something great that's gonna help with your career. And it's less than even a class, like a college credit. So definitely you get your money's worth. Uh, so please do it and just go out there and get your dream internship and or job. If you want me to help you reach your career goals, just contact me. And now let's get back to the rest of the show. Something very interesting that you were saying towards the end um, that it's important that we talk a little bit more about is things change. So should we be changing to adapt to the situation or what, or, or should we just stay the same and keep our course? Like what's the strategy here? I love that you asked that question because the, the pressure is to change, right? And adapt. And like we talked about those three components of the success formula, right? Your skills and your passions change over time. That's not only expected, but that's a healthy thing to have happen, right? But your MO is a constant force. Now, you can do things in other ways. You can push yourself outside. You know, the fish, I guess, could attempt to climb up the tree, but you don't get very far. So fighting your MO is a losing battle. And there's really no reason to because our MO for success is just that. It's what makes us successful in our own way. And there'd be no reason to abandon that or try to go outside of that. So to be clear, your MO is not situational. It is not impacted or changing by the world around you. Now, it impacts how you react to a changing environment. It impacts how you deal with that moment. But uh, the saying I love, if, if something's not working, don't change you. Change your environment. And I feel like that's could be easier said than done because if you are in an environment where there's all this pressure going to you to change and you don't have a support system, you're going to want to change. But like, what do you do if you're in an environment where everybody is trying to have you change? Yeah, I, I totally appreciate the sentiment that easier said than done. That's, that's true of a lot of things that might be simple to say, but hard to do. So first I would say is stop. So uh, an analogy actually I, I used in a coaching conversation earlier today is um, I'm not sure, I, I am certainly not trained to be any kind of rescue person, but I, I don't know if you're aware of what can often happen when someone's drowning and needs to be rescued. Do you know the tactic that a rescuer often uses in that situation? So when someone's drowning, they tend to flail, right? You panic, you're, you're freaking out, you flail, and, and you start sort of throwing energy out anywhere and everywhere, right? And what can happen is they can actually drown the rescuer because as soon as that person mm -hmm. comes, they start trying to take them over and they take them both down. So oftentimes a rescuer will, will actually knock out the person who's drowning so that they can save them. And I'll say the first thing is if you're in that kind of flailing moment where you feel like you're drowning from these outside expectations, self-expectations, environment around you, and you're, you're pushing and pulling and throwing energy in every direction, stop. Stop fighting for a minute. And in that calm, that gives you an opportunity to find yourself. Okay. So that's, that's number one. Just Stop for a minute. 
Number two, look back. Think back to a time when you were on your A game. What did you do? What worked well? What actions did you take? Because thinking back to that moment in your life will help remind yourself how you're going to operate really well right now, right? And I would also say, like we started this conversation, know who you are. And I'm happy to help any students who are interested. We have the only assessment that measures MO. There's over 800 assessments out there. All of the others are personality or skills-based. We have the only one that gets at your how, that unchanging, um, wonderful talent you have for dealing with life and getting to results. So affirming that, having the validation of that, having the clarity around that is also going to help you to advocate for yourself in a way that you really won't get to that flailing um, situation in the first place. You know, yeah, we might be rocked a little, um, but you don't lose yourself in that. Can you talk a little bit more about like the different assessments and what they measure and why like they change and how they like what, because I think that's important to know because I didn't even know that. And I'm so big in personal development. Yeah. So Daniel, you know, this is where I geek out. Uh, I, well, I mean, the integrity of my work really relies on the integrity of the data I offer to people because I use assessments in almost every engagement that I have with people and they're using that insight to make very significant life decisions. You know, what career should I get into? What job should I have? You know, how do we assemble teams? Because I work, I also work on the company level, right? Helping them make good decisions about people. And then of course, helping students and professionals and uh, make good decisions for themselves. But you're right. There are so many assessments out there to the point that it's actually even hard to tell the difference. Uh, So I'll boil it down to this. All assessments, except for one, measure your personality or your skills. And all of those assessments expire in a year or less. Some are better better than others. That's definitely true. Um, But to name a couple popular ones, you know, DISC, Myers-Briggs, Predictive Index, StrengthsFinders, those are personality-based instruments. They're situational. They are not lifetime results. Again, they, they are going to expire in a year or less. In fact, uh, Myers-Briggs expires in a couple of weeks. StrengthsFinders expires in two months. So they're, they're, think of them as more like a snapshot in time, right? You're taking a photograph and you know, a year later, that photograph would be um, a different snapshot in time, right? So Though those might be interesting and insightful on some level, what I struggle with is what we talked about earlier in the conversation is that the smartest person is not always the most successful. And, you know, the person with the greatest personality is not always the most successful. And because they're such situational snapshot in time measures, it's really hard to use that insight to make future decisions, right? So I work with a lot of high school students and helping them, you know, in the career decisions. And I struggle. I can't use a personality-based instrument in that conversation because that information would expire before they even got to college, let alone career. So the instrument that we use often that measures MO, that how piece, is called the Colby assessment. And there's different versions depending on your age. But it measures that how. 
And, you know, not only is it um, so powerful because it gets at how you best perform, but it is powerful because it never expires. So I feel really comfortable being able to guide people in long-term life decisions because I know that information is still valid no matter what age or stage of life they're in. But again, just to kind of break it back down, all assessments measure one aspect of your intelligence, your personality, or your MO. So I've taken a lot of those assessments. Even the one that, you know, they, I, I took so that we, you could tell me a little bit more about myself. But like, I, I think about like the strength finder. I'm trying to find the book because I have it here in my library. And I look at it and can it be that some of those don't change? Because they're just, I look at that, maybe if I were to redo the whole test again, I would get not the same five words that describe me. But at least some of them do this still describe me like competitive. Um, does that make sense what I'm saying? I, I'm not sure if I'm elaborating myself correctly here. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I don't think it's necessarily that people are Jekyll and Hyde, so to speak, you know, that, that, um, you know, traditional novel about the person that, you know, totally changes personalities from night to day. But I can just give you the assessment company's own data. And um, that is that their expiration date for StrengthsFinder is less than six months. And they, their StrengthsFinders is not even intended for use in hiring. So companies aren't supposed to use that instrument to make mm -hmm. hiring decisions. And, you know, I think that's telling too, because if it's not good enough for hiring, what is it good enough for, you know? And, you know, I'm not trying to be hard on other pieces of insight, really. I, I think if, if somebody finds value in something, that's great. What I preach, so to speak, is it's important that we use the tools correctly and that we understand what their purpose is, what their time frame is, and then match our decisions and time frames to that tool. Yeah. And, and no, and, and I guess where I'm coming from more than anything is just because I was going to say something like, when you're younger, you change more, right? Like, I don't know if this is, again, you're, you're the one that looks at the data. I definitely don't. This is I'm, a lot of my, what I'm bringing is my personal experience to the conversation. That's why I have people like you who know their <laughs> craft um, and can just put me in my place and correct me when I'm wrong. Um, oh, no, but you ask really excellent questions that everybody's wondering. So I, I, I don't be so hard on yourself. Um, <laughs> but I feel like if I think about how our life changes while we're in school from like the, the time we start elementary school to, you know, even before 25, every year of my life has completely been different than the year before. But the older I get, the less I change on a yearly basis. Is that my perception of it? Like, if I think about what my mom has done in the last five years, same job, same house, like, same everything, and then I think about what I've done, and I look around, like, we just, I've changed so much. Like, I've been with my, like, married for a couple of years, but, like, together for over 10 years, and I am dating a completely different person. We both have grown differently, and I'm a different person than when we first started dating. So I think a lot of change happens now. Like well, the younger we are. Yeah. Well, first off, uh, Daniel, your MO is to reinvent yourself constantly. So 
the, I, I feel like you've almost proven your point in your question is that your pattern is change. You know, I love the saying, the only thing that doesn't change is change itself. You are a variety seeker, an innovator, an experimenter. You are someone who gets bored easily. You know, once you've mastered something, you move on um, in the sense of you need new challenges and you're constantly coming up with new capabilities for people, new ideas, pushing the envelope, right? So though you as a person in many other ways has changed, that pattern for doing that has not. I mean, we had conversations about you and your childhood and you're selling, um, t-shirts to people and water to people to gym. And I mean, you've been inventive and entrepreneurial your entire mm -hmm. life. And as they say, a leopard doesn't change its spots. You're not going to suddenly not do that. Now, the environment you're in, the context that you're in, the ways in which you channel your talents, sure, those change. I mean, again, going back to the whole part of you, right? Your skills will change over time. Yes, you've grown because you've learned new things. You have new knowledge, you have new experiences, you have new understandings, but your MO is still there, it's still the same. Um, your passions, your motivations have changed, your personality has changed, your emotions have changed. You know, where you decide to commit your efforts has changed, but your MO has stayed the same. So to answer your other question about, oh gosh, we, there's so much that's changing and maturing about us as kids and, you know, in our, in our formative years. And we've done a lot of research on this and I've worked with kids as young as three. So I have a lot of personal experience on this and I rest on the companies who do the research on this and truly your MO does not change. And they've even done research and I actually got the pleasure of participating in a study because I first took this, the Colby assessment when I was in sixth grade. So I was, um, you know, clearly in that formative time of life. Right. And then I retook it as an adult for a study to see if, you know, throughout all that brain development and everything else going on in school and figuring myself out, did that change? No, I had the same result. And that's not just my experience. That's what they're seeing. Your MO and the data proves it. I mean, they've test people, tested people over a 20 year time span and 86% of people have the same result. That's unheard of, Daniel. Most assessment companies don't even bother to test after a couple months or a year because it's just, they already know the answer. No one's, no one's going to have the same result. I'm not saying those are bad assessments. They're just measuring. It's like, it's like measuring the weather, right? You get a new forecast every day because the weather keeps changing. Um, that's why I didn't decide what to wear today based off of the weather forecast two years ago. That's absurd, particularly in Pittsburgh, which is where I'm from. Um, we have a 70 deg degree day, then a 30 degree day, then a 50 degree day, right? So uh, that didn't mean the weather forecast is bad because it's, it lasts 24 hours. But again, my decision-making is also 24 hours worth, right? I'm not going to decide what to wear 20 years from now because of today's forecast. And so that's what I'm trying to help folks understand is you have to match your decision-making to the tool, to the insight. Um, and yeah, the data proves that your MO is always with you. That's so interesting. I don't understand why this is not mandated for students to take as soon as they start school. Help me do that, Daniel. I agree. I will one day. Yeah. Tackle one thing at a time. I know. Like definitely. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree. Because school, think about it though. What is school emphasizing? School's emphasizing skills. 
It's all about what you need to know. But sadly, school often encourages or rewards one way of doing that. And we know people have all different ways of learning, all different ways of expressing their skills. And that's why um, only 20% of students are actually wired to succeed in school. I mean, 80%, that's a massive number. 80% of students by a little or a lot are not wired to do well in school. And I'm not talking about intelligence. Well, I could tell you I was one of those students and I know we've talked yeah. about this before. Um, so Emily, you're amazing. How can students connect with you? I would love for them to connect. So first off, LinkedIn, Emily Melius, please find me. I'd love to connect with you there. We're constantly pushing out content. We also invite them to come to our website. It's launchconsulting.io. If they tab over to the students uh, page, we actually have a free mini course on career choice, the ultimate guide. It has an ebook. It has um, 10 part videos that they can go through. It does a deep dive into a lot of the concepts we've talked about here. And it's awesome and totally free. So I encourage them to go check that out. I love it. I will put all those links in the show notes so that it's easy for you guys to find this. So just check out the show notes, connect with Emily. She is awesome. I remember having a conversation about my results and I remember talking to her like a, like a couple of months later. I, I don't know if you ever remember this conversation, but it was something about me working out and like, yeah, of course you're bored because you, you're probably going to go find another uh, like thing to do because you're probably, and I'm like, yeah, I, I am bored of, at that time was kickboxing and I moved on to doing triathlons and then I got bored of triathlons and but one thing I've never been bored of doing, Emily, is playing soccer. Just want to let you know that's mm, not changed. Awesome. Good. Well, keep, keep up with that. And yeah, I think, you know, just know thyself, right? I think coming back around to that, when you know yourself and uh, you can put yourself in the kind of situations in which you'll really thrive because gosh, you know, life is too short to merely survive. Yeah. So let's w w recap the, the three things, this is just the, so powerful. That was the biggest takeaway of the last episode. And even though we've talked a lot about other different things in this episode, this is still the biggest takeaway because everybody just tries to push you for two of them, but you need all three of them. So if you can just recap all three of them one more time, and if you guys can take away this from this episode and continue to learn and get, put yourself in that position to be, to know all three, you, you will find a lot of success. So I'll let you take over. Yes. So again, majority does not win. You have to check all three boxes of the success formula, which is your career or honestly, whatever it is that you're doing needs to honor what you know, why you do things and how you do them. Love it. Emily, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast for the second time. And everybody else listening, thank you guys and catch you guys all in the next episode. All right, my friend, congratulations for making it all the way to the end of the podcast. In the age of short attention span, 
this speaks volumes of you. So now, if you found value in this episode, that I am sure you're going to find value in the Mastering College to Career Academy. So if you want to learn more a little bit about that academy, go to masteringcollegetocareer.com or just send me a message. Thank you so much for listening and catch you guys all on the next episode.